Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek Podcast. In this case, it's podcast number 110. And around our studio today, helping us out, is executive producer Brian Roberts. Hello. hello. We are honored that you grace us with your appearance. (laughs) Well, thanks for inviting me. Our writer, producer, and two-wheeling reporter, that man on two wheels at all time, Brian Robinson. What's up, John? Our road test producer, who has more angles than cameras, Ben Davis. Lucky 110. Glad to be here. And our writer, Patrick Lucas. Thanks for the uh, beautiful introduction for me. (laughs) (laughs) Short and sweet, Patrick, but I should tell you that Patrick is also the podcast producer, so anything that you hear in the next 20 minutes is his fault. Okay, we'll have our lightning round, and we have an unusual viewer question for us today, uh, one that we actually had to tap into uh, Pat Goss for an answer. Uh, But first, let's get to the cars, and there are a lot of them. We're going to cover a couple of individual models, the uh, Nissan Murano, uh, of course, the Chevrolet Corvette Z06 that everyone's talking about. But first off, uh, Brian and I are fresh back from the 2015 North American International Auto Show in Detroit, uh, which was a a very, very good show. But I actually would like to find out what uh, Mr. Roberts thought. Give us an idea of what you thought of the show overall. And what are some of the hits? I would say, you know, in the past several years, it was definitely one of the most exciting shows that I've been to. Um, There was just a lot of energy there. It was very electric. Uh, Ford just put on an incredible show, and and so did GM. Um, I thought the star of the show, I thought, was the uh, Ford GT. I think without question. Supercar, 50th anniversary coming up of their first win at Le Mans. Modern modern and uh, muscular look, but yet, you know, the awareness to the – the the lineage of the the GT so it's a twin turbo V6 right which I thought was it's weird. a twin turbo yeah. EcoBoost yeah. V6 I think they were talking 600 plus horsepower mm-hmm. but probably a race trim it'll be more than that I was just excited to see they you know confirm they are going to build it versus keeping us dangling out there for years like we may we may we may but they're going to build it so yeah well next year <clears> 16 <throat> and Brian hop in here because you probably know more than I do about it. Uh, is I'm the in. 50th anniversary of the original uh, GT win at Le Mans, and they're going to take this one back to Le Mans. And so here we go. This car, unlike the last GT, the what, 05 to 09, mm-hmm. that was a street car primarily. This, when you look at it with the way that it's got uh, all the aerodynamics for downforce, this is a race car. The two uh, driver and passenger cramped right together just like the original car. Can't wait to drive it. It looks spectacular. And uh, I also heard that, you know, unlike the last car, which was, you know, 150000 bucks, this one they're talking it may be over a million bucks a copy. I mean, Whoa. it's a, it's a uh, true supercar. It, right. wow. it, it's going to be something. Mm-hmm. What else? Well, Ford also had that uh, GT350R, which— well, A lightweight Shelby. Yeah. You know, it's the most track-capable production Mustang ever. Uh, it's the— uh, their rebuttal to the Camaro Z28 and uh, all stripped down, no AC, yep. no no uh, no sound, editing. backup camera, no radio. Yeah. I don't think a lot of a lot oh, of stuff. No backup camera. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven for Finn. Uh, I'll take the other side of the equation. Ford obviously sees a lot of heat in their future uh, at GM, and here you have oh, yeah. two the two biggest domestic car companies. Totally different views of mm-hmm. the near future. Uh, Chevrolet, very, very much into continuing the electric car theme. 
Not only did they show a new Chevrolet Volt uh, plug-in hybrid with more EV range, about 50 miles, a better, smoother, quieter, uh, more powerful yet smaller uh, gas engine, 400 miles total range, looking a little too much like a Prius for my taste, but okay. Well, they, think, uh, think about mm-hmm. it. Gas is cheap for now, right? You know, for now, and and they're they're lining themselves up pretty well with this Volt. Um, you know, you, like you said, the, the cafe ex- standards aren't yeah. changing. It's more fuel economy is going to be demanded. But they did surprise everybody uh, to some degree with the electric, all electric Bolt B O L T, which they're now saying they probably you know they they weren't definite, but. It's a five-door. Mm-hmm. It's a hatchback. Some rumors were it would be a sedan. I no. Think I think it's a game-changer. 200-mile game possible range. 200-mile yeah. Possible range. is the big word there. Yeah, and price $30,000 after, after incentives. After the incentives. Yeah. But 200, Brian, the reason <clears> – I mean, you're right. We that's never, the magic we, number. That's where that's everyone needs to get. Yeah. Well, that gets but, rid of the range anxiety. Yeah. Suppose it's 150 in reality, which, you know, in our case, It'll every probably, time we get something, it's at least 25% less than It was just like the Volt when they first showed that. They were like 50, 60 miles of it. And then each time they showed it again, the range kind of snuck down to when it came out at 35 or whatever. So. But the 200 uh, number, even under ideal conditions, that's the magic number, I think, to, to make electric cars at least loft, people can loft, consider them without thinking they're going to run out all the yeah, time. Yeah, lofty goals. Um, Unfortunate name. I'm sure they would change the name. It's a typo. <laughs> the V and the B key are right next to each other on a keyboard. I think someone just messed my, up. You know, my it sure is going to be confusing. Huh? My immature nature went straight to prank call in a parts department and <laughs> changed it from Volt to Bolt every other. Volt? Yeah, yeah, Bolt. Bolt? Yeah, I need a, a door for a Volt. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see. But uh, they did also do something else at GM. Uh, while they stuck Chevy all in the green theme, they actually had more diversity, I thought, with the other two divisions. Um, at Buick, uh, they had the, the new small Opal convertible that they're going to bring in. Uh, uh, yeah, first time in, what, 25 years? 25 years. years uh, the grill. The grill wasn't no, a, grill a typical Buick. Like a Buick. It and, looked like, more like an Opal, but they have some thinking, time why, to change if it. If you've got two years, why can't you yeah. change that? But the Cascada. Uh, was Cascada. Uh, which is the same name the Opal carries. But the star of, the, of their stand was that big concept sedan, uh, the Avignon, the which uh, be, is French for future, I guess, which looks very much like a big full-size uh, sedan that would probably go over very well in mm-hmm. China where most Buicks are – most of the Buicks are sold well, now. Well, if you think about Buicks, they're not, they're not like exceptionally beautiful. They're not ugly. They're sort of – in between, but uh, this car was well, just car was gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Probably the production car won't look as good. It was yeah. a concept. And every Cadillac, they did the CTSV. So it was what, a good 640 Beast. horsepower. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Some of the, uh, some of the import things oh, struck well, you. right off the bat. Anybody the, else obvi- chime in or we're just having a – New thing? NSX. I mean, it's been yeah. – how many years they've Three. been dangling that over us? Seems and, like double that. Day. Yeah. I mean, the combination of technology and the aggressiveness just kind of wowed me on the stage. Now it's – Let's get it. Let's get behind the wheel and drive the thing. Electric motors, yeah. front and rear. So when you punch the quiet mode, it mm-hmm. will be all electric. I because we don't do this yet in this country, but ma- major European cities are going to this um, green zone inside the city, where basically they may only allow electric vehicles to drive, and that seems to be something that's. Talked to being talked about in France and Germany and probably even uh, other countries. So. I kind of feel bad for the NSX. Ben and I were talking about this at lunch. Mm. It's been hyped up for 
How many years? Will we say three it's years? It's three years since and they finally, first had the finally it's the big unveil, and then Ford drops the GT. Uh, it's <laughs> like, oh, NSX, I think they whatever. did that on purpose. The, uh, the, the price, I thought, that talked about was a little surprising, too. I mean, the last NSX was, what, high 80s, probably, all dolled up. And this yeah. one, they're talking 155, mm-hmm. which it seems like a big jump. Sounds about right, though. I mean, it inflation is. Inflation adjustment. Yeah. yeah, well, when you think of the I-8 and things like that. I think it was all developed here in the U.S., right? It's going to be built here in yeah. the U.S., and, yeah. and it's the first time the NSX will be built here, yeah. built in Ohio. So yes, all developed here. That's cool. Yeah. They start. They said that they started out with a normally aspirated transverse six. That was when they showed the concept three years ago. They completely dumped it. Obviously, after seeing a lot of the other exotics go to hybrid uh, drivetrains, and came back with a, a lengthwise mounted twin turbo V6 well, with the three electric motors. I think you got to give them a lot of credit for mm-hmm. you know switching it up there. Yeah, because that, that's why the delay. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, well, I think all the a lot of the technology comes. Well, they put it first in the the TL or RLX with the all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind a of similar same, system. Yeah, and they kind of started it there, and kind of it's much more developed in the uh, NSX. And let's see, uh, uh, Nissan. Go ahead, Nissan please. Titan ah, um, with the d- diesel size, v- Cummins V8 diesel. The thing tow to over twelve thousand pounds. It was huge. Yes, it was massive. Uh, new Tacoma. Speaking of pickup trucks, it's first time in a while we've seen a new Tacoma. I think it's twelve years. Yeah, it didn't look as different time. as I thought it would. Well, no. it didn't either. I actually thought when I first saw it that maybe they were just doing a, a, a heavy refresh, but it seems pretty new. Uh, the new the 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 four cylinders the same. The six cylinder has got that um, the same um, uh, injection, which goes from port to direct uh, and back that they're using in the. Uh, FRS. I know there's a manual available on each engine, I believe, if I read that correctly. That might be right. Well, certainly, it's a more aggressive look. Did they need to do a lot? You know, they are the best-selling you know, small pickup. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, but with Canyon and yeah. Colorado. Yeah, but 65, what'd they say? 65% of the Tacoma buyers get the TRD or above trim. So it's uh, it's still going to probably appeal to that off-road set. Yeah, back to the Titan. I'm not usually one to say, oh, that vehicle looks just like that vehicle. But from the pictures I saw, anyway, I didn't see it in person. It looks exactly like a Ford Super Duty. It does. Duty. It the, certainly favors Super Duty yeah, a lot. The grill looked the same. The mirrors looked the same. The back end looked the same. What didn't look the same was that Ram Rebel, mm-hmm. which was a, basically an off-road package, and it's not um, a, a Raptor competitor directly because you yeah, get the, a six The front eight. grill was not very Ram-like at all. It wasn't at all. No. It was the cross hatch. I don't know what you'd actually call it. It didn't look good in pics. Did it look go- good in uh, person? Yeah, it was, pretty it tough was looking. mean looking. Yeah. Um, I, I can't say. It looks sort of like the lower <laughs> lip of a bulldog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was impressed with uh, the, the, the difference in the Raptor. Raptor. Yeah. Versus the F-150. And they again, six-cylinder there. It looks way better than I thought it would. The lightweight aluminum body is 500 pounds less. Uh, let's see. We saw yet another concept from Volkswagen uh, for uh, uh, a people mover to be built in Chattanooga. This one only had two rows of seats, but I can't believe they won't build one with uh, yeah, three. Yeah, they got to put a third row. Yeah. Um, what about the Mercedes Benz? The uh, the new names for the. Uh, oh, if you can describe it, have you, you figured right out ahead. the Infinity names yet? So uh, now it's time to. Well, uh, we have new names at Infinity. <laughs> we have new names coming at Cadillac. Uh, BMW messing so the their SUV numbers totally. BMW has changed. Yeah. GLs. And now yeah. the M class is now the GLs. Anyway, um, what did you think of the GLE? It's five door, swoopy uh, roofed, uh, like the uh, uh, X6. Well, if you know, if 
you certainly can't be very large to get the back there with the uh, low slung roof. But um, I'm out then. I think they're going to be. I think that's just going to be one of the models. They're going to build a regular square back yeah. too. So a very good show, I would say, compared to last year, more diversity and different products from different manufacturers. We forgot one: the Hyundai pickup truck, uh, the Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz uh, which is uh, uh, it was a small truck, small. It was actually compact in size. Um, they're obviously looking at that, and it had a diesel powertrain mm-hmm. in it, which I thought was interesting. It was really good looking, too. It was a, a good show. Hmm? Four-door. Four-door. Spoke well for what the industry has uh, has been doing. and The Internet uh, didn't ruin this one. There were a lot of actual surprise well, on There yes. were, and we were all talking about that up there, uh, wow. a couple that there actually were things that we weren't expecting. Hmm. And that, I, I say to everybody that surprised us, do more of it because mm-hmm. that's what an auto show is supposed to be. It's great to see domestics really taking the yeah. North American Car and Truck of the Year. Go ahead. Was announced the what the F one fifty the F one fifty one for truck, truck of the year and the, and um, the Volkswagen GTI. Golf. golf uh, the GTI. Officially, it was the Golf, golf. but it means the Golf, the GTI, yeah. and everything else. Uh, that to some Good people golf. that was a surprise. Yeah, can't uh, argue with those choices. No, you can't. And it was interesting that there were a lot of people that came up and said, were you surprised at at Car of the Year that Mustang didn't get it? And I said, well, not really. I mean, this is supposed to be, uh, you know, vehicles that are trendsetters, that do things better than anybody else, that maybe have, uh, hopefully have some mass appeal. So, uh, uh, but Ford easily got uh, the 150. And actually, Volkswagen did, had a pretty good margin on the, uh, over the Mustang for the Golf. Overall, good show, though. Looking forward to next year, for sure. And it was great to to uh, to be there. And but now let's move along to something even more fun. And I'm going to turn this over to Brian Robinson because he was the lucky individual that got to go out and drive the 2015 Chevrolet Corvette Z06. Oh, yeah, Brian, as um, were yes. you impressed? Was it as good as you expected? Better? Tell us about. Well, it. I have mixed feelings uh, on it. Not in all regards to the performance because it's. The fact that any Yahoo with some money in their checking account can go into a Chevy dealer and buy a car with this much performance with five figures, not six, is yeah, it starts at eighty grand. is pretty amazing. I mean, the car just outperforms anything I've driven in that price range. You know, far and above. The problem: a six hundred fifty horsepower, you know, supercharged V eight, six hundred fifty pound feet of torque, two point nine zero to sixty, uh, tons of downforce. It's got the you know. The problem I have with it is the last Z06 was a very, I wouldn't say limited edition, but it was a special vehicle. Uh, it wasn't even built at the Corvette Bowling Green. It was built over at the race shop where they did the C6R stuff, manual only, hardtop only. Um, this one totally different. This was um, the same Stingray chassis. Um, you can get an automatic, you can get a convertible, removable roof, and you can get every luxury amenity you can get in the Stingray. So to me... It's not as special as it once was. They're expecting as much as 20% of Corvette sales to be Z06. And for that reason, um, you know, maybe it's not as special to me. But, I mean, you, you definitely can't argue on the performance side of things. Maybe what they're doing is because they brought it more mainstream, they're trying to make way for this supposed mid-engine Corvette that you know, the spy shots are popping up on and everything else, which would be something like, a you know, I imagine in the – GT four GT type four GT type arena. I don't know. So mm. I don't that know. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, but tell, the performance computer, uh, which was a big deal about the car, that particularly impressed you, right? Oh, the PDR, yeah, the performance data recorder. Um, it's just got a little camera on the header that rolls video whenever you press record. Super easy to use. It's right there on the home screen on the uh, MyLink. Just press it and hit record and uh, just starts rolling tape. And then you can get track overlays of pretty much every track in the country. And it'll do full telemetry. It's all the software from the C7R mm, Gosworth cool. uh, race yeah, car. That's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, it overlays all the telemetry over top of your video and um, – Super easy to get to, record, and take out and put it in your laptop. And did, did they talk about the fact that the camera can also be used as a valet cam so you can uh, trigger it so that when the valet is parking your car, you know what they do? <laughs> no, they didn't really go into it a whole lot. Uh, there's been, you know, That's the info's been out there for a long time. Yeah. But, uh, it, you know, it's a cool feature, and I was impressed with how just easy it is, is to use. It's not it's nothing super involved at all. So the car performed easily as well as you expected. Oh, absolutely, and you can get a base Z06 for eighty grand, and then you can go up from there. They got a Z07 package that has carbon fiber brakes and a lot more, uh, or carbon ceramic brakes, not carbon fiber, and uh, a lot more aero elements to uh, crank up the downforce. Super sticky uh, Sport Cup two tires. I know this is going to sound picky, but they showed it, of course, in the same yellow color initially as the uh, the, the race car. And to me, with all the black trim and the yellow, I thought it looked very boy racer-ish. If I was going to buy one, I'd want a darker color. Yeah, absolutely. Compared to the last one, it's similar. I mean, it, you know, they weren't subtle with all the ad- no, arrow add-ons. I mean, it's definitely – If you looks, want a sub- more subtle car, you get the standard stinger. Yeah, it looks, you know, very much like the C7R race car. And they're – like I say, it's built right there in the same shop. And Supposedly, they don't even have to make any chassis upgrades at all for the C7R race car. Supposedly, the standard Stingray chassis is all uh, stiff enough for the race car now. By the way, I was told that the uh, Ford GT is actually going to campaign against the C7R. So Mm -hmm. that'll be interesting. Okay, let's move along to something a little more uh, everyday, although hardly everyday, and that's uh, the rework, the second gen, or I guess it's actually third generation now, of the Nissan Murano. Their Nissan's two-row high-styled uh, crossover. Ben, you've had the most experience with it. I uh, did. Tell us what you think. Definitely high-styled indeed. The first thing that strikes you when you see it is that the um, the design language of it is impressive. No matter who you are looking at it, it's impressive. And it carries over to the inside as well. Um, Nissan's saying it's as premium as, premium as they can get uh, without it being an infinity. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely tell that when you get inside of the uh, – it seems like all the complaining I've been doing over the years about fake plastics and, and, pl- and plastic that's supposed to look like metal and wood, somebody's finally listened. While it's still plastic, it's not trying to be anything that resembles anything real. It's kind mm. of like a coffee shop kind of like a marbly, granity mm. looking motif. Right. It really lends itself well to uh, just the textures and palettes they used inside. It's definitely a more upscale uh, feeling vehicle than it really is. Which, how can you go wrong there? You know, I don't know of any mainstream brand that would take the risk that they did by saying, okay, we've got the Rogue for family hauling that size. Now we're going to do something different, something that won't sell nearly as many vehicles and make it special. And they've done that. True. It's not priced – I mean, it's not terribly – it's not priced – 
very much different than a three-row Pathfinder. So it's not Well, that's it. You can actually buy a Pathfinder for slightly less. So it does put it in a a rarefied position. But it's not crazy money. No, I mean, you're only talking uh, a front-wheel drive base start price is Mm $29,560. All-wheel drive, you're looking at $31,160. But... In top trim, platinum level, all-wheel drive, that starts at $40,600. are not you amazed how he's had all those numbers just roll right off of wow. <laughs> I have them written down right here. <laughs> I'm not amazed, I'm not oh, amazed no, at all. He does it all the time. Blowing everybody's balloon. <laughs> but, I mean, with that, it's cool. uh, yeah. Nissan probably has one of the most involved safety systems you can buy with mm-hmm. their safety shield, the round-view cameras, and their, all that crash mitigation. All this is available in the Murano, which is now, the powertrain's carryover, but that's carryover, not necessarily yeah. a detriment, right? Uh, the 3.5-liter V6 is uh, – if it's it, – well, the, the horsepower is still 260, and in, uh, it seems a lot of competitors are going turbocharged sixes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the horsepower doesn't seem as big as – the number doesn't feel as big as it used to be, but CVZ Trans still, nothing's changed there. Um, if it, I would have liked to maybe seen a turbo motor instead mm-hmm. of this V6, but I mean you can't argue it. It's a great motor. It's pretty. It's pretty beautiful. I really like the um, the kind of floating roof look because they blacked out the. It is pretty wild. Pillars. Yeah. So you really have to love that plastic trim to buy it over a Pathfinder. I mean, well, not only that, you only you don't have a third row in this either. So you you'd really have probably to probably for a different clientele. Yeah, more so. Sophisticated, maybe. Are they saying empty uh, nesters? Maybe you definitely can't take this off road like you can a Pathfinder too. It's lower to the ground than, no, than the previous gen Pathfinder off road, and you're going to do on that thing either. Well, you know, you put a little canoe on top of that thing, take it to your fishing hole. You, you don't, you're not going to be able to do that with the Murano. <laughs> That's what the Rogue is for, probably. Yeah, more of Xterra than or the Xterra, for, yeah, which Pathfinder. almost everybody forgets is even still available. Yeah. The real SUV at Nissan. Okay, uh, we're going to move on now to our lightning round. We've been really uh, looking at this question because it's kind of very interesting. And um, Patrick Lucas over here has our bell. And once I get the question out of my mouth, we'll talk about it until we hear the bell. And then we'll probably keep talking. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Okay. One of the headlines out of Detroit was a car called the Volvo S60 Inscription. I can't even say the name. Uh, it's a lengthened S60 sedan. It has about three and a half inches more legroom in the back, which they think will appeal both to American buyers and those in the Far East. And guess what? This will be the first Chinese assembled car sold in the U.S. when it arrives here very shortly. What do you guys think is going to be the overall reception to the by the public of Chinese cars. It looks like it's now the closest to reality, and we've been talking about this forever. Are they going to sell them at Walmart? <laughs> uh, you never know. There might be some Volvo dealer sets up there. Amazon. <laughs> I would just say I think I think having a luxury brand like Volvo be the first one to to do it is probably a really good sign. Um, you know, it's not it's it's a luxury brand doing it, and they wouldn't bring something over that was terrible yeah, quality. Correct. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is this going to be one of the lightning? That's about, either a genius I mean, move or a <laughs> you know, if really you, bad one. <laughs> if you walk in, say you've got money, all right, and you walk into a Volvo dealership and you see this S60 ins- inscription sitting there, and you're thinking, oh, that looks really good. But wait a minute. That, that S60 over there is made in Europe. This S60 is made in China. Hmm. 
You don't think that the ad, that the well-heeled buyer is going to have a little bit of resistance? Is, are we getting hung up on the fact that it's built in China or that it's like a long wheelbase, unnecessary extra room? Something I, like that? I think it's and, built in okay, China that's, because so that's the actually I asked that question. I said, okay, in China you can see this as a, 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 a car with a driver. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs there like to be chauffeured around. Here I questioned whether or not it would sell. Boy, everybody else I talked to that does what we do for a living thought it would. So well, although if you look at all the long wheelbase the seven series and there's an Infinity Q seventy L, yeah, right. there's way over, it's way over fifty percent. Yeah, people yeah. want that extra room. Yeah, yeah. you want to get if you're going to buy an S class, you want the biggest and the best. And also, if you're going to carry people in the back seat, why yeah. would you not want to have as much room as yeah. possible for them? I don't have a problem with the longer wheelbase. The China situation, uh, I'm not sure about, but I mean. We buy everything else made in China. If it's decent, I think I think it'll be it'll be fine. It, when the <laughs> when the Chinese uh, took ownership of Volvo, I remember telling someone that whoever was listening that I thought maybe the first Chinese car sold here would be from Volvo, but I thought it might be something small like the so C series. So you predicted this? No, I didn't Genius. predict this particular one, but I did say that. I, there was a, a Volvo dealer nearby me. He was so mad at me. He, I, if he had had a hatchet, I wouldn't have a head. Well, I hope he's okay out there and taking this with a grain of salt. It, the car looks every bit as good, well put together uh, as any other Volvo. So we'll see. And please ring that bell because I think we've yeah. kind of rung this out as much as we can do it. You had – come on, Brian. Well, yeah, last I comment? I don't feel last comment? I don't like feel like I said, they well, I mean, at all. Well, let's go. I've been saying it for a while now. You know, our days here in the U.S. is – of having cars designed for us are over just because the Chinese market is number one in the world now and cars are designed more for their market than our market. So uh, it's just a matter of time before they get built there and shipped over here by everybody. Buick said that, what, their worldwide sales were well over a million units for Buick brand and only 250,000 of them were here in the U.S. Yeah. So. Okay, now let's talk about a viewer question from Greg, not our Greg, but another Greg. And here's the question. I have a 2005 Chevrolet Avalanche. As the years go by, each one of my dashboard gauges has stopped working. I've replaced the fuses, but still nothing. Can you help? Well, we've got a couple of different suggestions for you, Greg, but I'll tell you what Pat Goss said. Uh, We called him up and said, here's the problem. And he said he sees a great many of the Chevrolet and GM trucks coming in with this problem. In almost every case, the only solution is to replace the instrument cluster. But rather than go out and buy a new one, what he does is he has the old one remanufactured. There's a company that we've had on Motor Week before called Dorman Products, D-O-R-M-A-N, and it's DormanProducts.com. And they take your cluster, remanufacture it, send it back to you, and there's a way with paperwork to certify the mileage so it comes back with the same uh, odometer reading. And that's what he does. But that's not necessarily the only solution, is it? There are other solutions. However, if resale is in your future, then that is your best solution. But a person like me that buys, uh, like I have an 01 <laughs> Tahoe, I'll probably drive that thing to the ground. If it happened to me, and it most likely could, I'd just go to the junkyard and get a, a refresher one, just slap it in there and adopt whatever mileage <laughs> comes with it when I turn the key. And being that you're an avalanche, you could you know, pull from a Tahoe or a lot of Silverado. Yeah, yeah, pretty much any Chevy truck's going to fit that. So, so probably great. pretty cheap. Uh, you know, that gives you two uh, courses of action, and I hope one of them works for you. Um, basically, uh, you can either go to your nearby wrecking yard or you can spend a little bit more money and get something that uh, 
especially if you're going to resell the vehicle that you know you've got a paper trail with. So thank you, Pat Goss, for helping us out. And, Greg, we wish you good luck. And thank all of you for listening to our Motor Week podcast, number 110. And around our table, thanks very much again to executive producer Brian Roberts, our writer-producer and two-wheeling reporter Brian Robinson. You're very welcome, John. Our road test producer Ben Davis. Next time. See you and guys. writer extraordinaire Patrick Lucas. Oh, great to have me. Also, <laughs> our audio engineer that makes us sound uh, – at least half sane, Jillian Cookman. Thank you, Jillian. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And, of course, Patrick was the producer. I'm John Davis. Thanks to everyone for listening to our podcast. We hope you'll join us again soon. And for watching Motor Week on all your public television stations and also on Velocity. Till next time, thanks for joining us. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.